Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Veris Age Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we are doing Your Customer Defines Quality, Not You. Welcome, Ed. Hey, Ron. How's it going? Great. This is this is going to be a great show because I know you have lots of stuff on this, uh, <laughs> much more than I do. Uh, but uh, I have a take on it too. But uh, and I think you know what's really interesting about this is I love your definition. Quality is not objective goodness, but rather conformance to a requirement, and that's a challenge for professionals of all stripes because, of course, they have ethical canons and quality canons and all of that. And they take that very seriously as they should. But I, I think I can sum up my attitude about this sh topic with this sign that was in the Millican and company factory, which was a Malcolm Baldridge award winner. And the sign read this quality is not the absence of defects as defined by management, but the presence of value as defined by customers. Bingo. And I, I just wanted to get your reaction to that. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that absolutely nails it. And that's, that, that's, that's clearly what it is. You know, it's, it's the one element that of what I usually say of your entire project plan. Cause usually I, I, I teach quality in the context of, of project planning. And I said, it's the one element that is absolutely and totally defined by your customer, not you. And, just like the title of this show, Ron, it's surprising how much pushback there is from professionals on that kind of a statement, that that your customer defines quality, not you, that it is absolutely and totally defined by your customer. Huge amount of pushback, especially, I think, more in the legal world than anywhere else, but certainly in accounting and even in IT. Even, the, you know, they say, well, we do quality work. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Your customers can say that about you. Your customers can say that you do quality work. You can't claim quality until you have you have had a conversation with the customer and met their what their requirement is. Right. So just like value is subjective, you're mm -hmm. basically saying quality is subjective. It's in the eyes of the customer. It's defined by the customer. That's right. That's right. And what's what's really interesting about this, and I'll give I'll share a story with this in, in a little bit, that size of the customer has no correlation to quality expectation. Right. Right. right? That's a really good point. Yes. It's an it's a critical point because I, I think what we, where we get caught up in is, well, it must the larger the customer, the big or the bigger the engagement, the bigger the project, the bigger the matter, the, the whatever it is, therefore high quality expectation. I'm like, no, you can't you can't make that assumption. right That's a, that's a poor assumption to make because the, the smallest customer, the smallest engagement can have a, a drastically different and very high, for that matter, quality expectation. 
and therefore you have to meet that requirement as well. The big mistake, of course, that I think professionals make is what I'll I'll call the assumption of quality, right? Is assuming that they meet a quality expectation of a customer without having a conversation about it because they meet the so-called canons. They meet the um, so-called expectations of the profession, and therefore it's quality. Right. I mean, this is rarely discussed with customers, you know, what, what level of quality do you want? But you're saying that's a critical conversation as well, just like the value conversation is critical. In, in, in a way, it's part of the value conversation, but it's, it's more nuanced than that, or I should say it's more specific than that. There are, there are some very specific uh, things that you should talk about when, when you talk about quality. And oftentimes the problem is, is because that people say, well, of course we're going to do quality work. Of course we are, right? It's a given. And like you said, it's an assumption. But I can tell you that the number one reason, certainly in IT-related projects that I've seen where they have gone, quote, over budget, especially in the, quote, hourly environment, mm-hmm. is almost always, almost always, 90% or more due to a quality expectation that wasn't met on the customer side, probably because it was there was no conversation about quality up front to define it, and therefore it was left nebulous. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, just the, let me ask you this because I I've heard this objection. You know how people when you say something like this that kind of gets the the feathers ruffled of professionals, they jump to the most extreme example, right? And mm-hmm. I guess I, I want to ask you, well, look, I, if I need surgery, I want my surgeon to provide a high quality surgery. But I, as a customer, as a patient, can't define that because I'm not a doctor. I don't have a medical license. But I'm assuming that the doctor is going to do everything to provide the absolute 100 percent best quality. What's your response? The, but they can't. Right, because because and this is look. I'm not there. There are there are always degrees, and this is something that we'll talk about. First of all, let me let me back up just a quick second, Ron, and and okay. and su- suggest to you that yes, you 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 attribute it to me that the notion that notion of quality is not is conformance to a crime rather than a, than goodness. But that actually is something that I stole from Philip Crosby, whose right. great book Quality is Free. That's he, he he suggests what he calls the four absolutes of quality. And that, that, in fact, is the first one. And I've leveraged off of that for years. But I just want to give that book credit. It's hard to find, by the way. I mean, I have an old, old copy of it. But it, it's it's not out on Kindle. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so some of our listeners. But in my opinion, it's still the, the best book that's ever been written about the subject of quality from, from that perspective. It's really, really good. So let me just talk through the four absolutes. We, we mentioned the first one. Conformance is conform, conformance to our requirement rather than goodness. And you know, I asked then whose requirement? And everyone says it's the customer's requirement. Once they, once they hear that phrase, they're like, well, it has to be the customer's requirement. It can't be yours, right? Right. And but the three others are quality is primarily caused by prevention rather than inspection. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. So which which means that the, we we build in things into our project that assure quality, and that's how we meet a quality expectation, not by just inspe- just inspecting it afterwards. Because if you if you rely just on you know post hoc 
post uh, hoc inspection, there's go, it, it's not going to work out well for you. Right, right. In other words, you have to be thinking about quality and building quality into the process as you move stuff through. You can't just say, "All right, well, we'll do it, and then we'll inspect it afterwards and see how it works out." Right. Yep. That, that's that's a recipe for disaster. But the the third absolute is that everyone must work toward, and he uses the word go, uh, standard. Everyone must work toward a standard of zero defects. I change that. And I say goal because I usually use the goal metaphor in, in project management and say that, that, that a goal is that to which we aspire. So the, the, the aspiration is always zero defects. Sure. Right? That's the goal. And, and, no, and, so you, and, we're, and we're all good with that. Uh, but there is an acceptable threshold below perfection that must be acceptable. And that's what we'll talk a little bit more about later. And then the fourth absolute, just to complete the four absolutes, our conversation, is that quality can be measured by determining the cost of quality. Now, what is most interesting about this one, especially for professionals, is that when we, when we speak of this, I'm, believe it or not, I'm not talking about the cost of quality for the professional. Right. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking about the cost of determining the quality by the customer. Right. So he, here's here's an example. If if the customer expects an extraordinarily high threshold of quality, let's just for the sake of argument right now, just call it ninety nine point nine nine percent. Right. <laughs> yep. That that means they must dedicate resources to accepting that threshold right yeah because they they have to then test it and check it to make sure that it meets their expectation right so what's what's really weird is customers will 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 often say well we're not going to test it we're not going to inspect it well then how are you going to accept the quality the, the the quality threshold well we thought you would do that and you no i can't i i can't I can't check my own work. It'd be the, the the example that I usually use is you don't the person who does the bank rec doesn't check it. Yep. Right? Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the writer and has an editor. Yeah. Right. The writer has an editor. You the, the so the the work that you perform for a customer, if there's a quality expectation, the customer has to invest resources in making sure that, that the, the that the work meets their quality expectation. Right. So when I say that quality can be measured by determining the cost of quality, there's an aspect of it that's that's yours as the professional. But even more importantly, there's an aspect of it that's the customers. And what's weird is oftentimes customers, once you once you have a begin a conversation about quality, they're not willing to invest the cost. And and by by, and by that, I mean, it's usually their workload in determining the the that level of quality. So you're like, well, if you guys are not going to inspect it to that level, how do you expect us to be able to meet it? (laughs) Right, right. No, that's a great point. Yep. So so there's a there's a real there's a real there's a a real yin and yang to this this whole qual especially when you're a professional working on something a, a yin and yang to this it really is a flow kind of situation. 
right? And it's very nuanced too, because when you said, you know, 99.97 or whatever, I, I was thinking, you know, there were no airline crashes last year, right? And commercial aviation was up. But I mean, I, I guess if that's your, your, your conformance standard, that's a hundred percent, you know, quality rating. Um, there may have been other defects in the flights, right? Hard landings or, or whatever. But if we're just looking at, you know, the most extreme, um, and, and so, but it's it's a very nuanced argument, I think. It is a very nuanced argument, and and I'll as we as we move through, I'll give some more very, kind of specific examples of it because I do I do have a couple that I think will will help people um, understand it better as we move through. But Ron, look, Excellent. we're already up against our first break, so I want to remind you <laughs> that you can contact me or Ron by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage dot com. Also, the website, of course, thesoulofenterprise dot com, where you can see show notes and previews to upcoming shows as well including next week's show with Don Boudreaux. More about that later. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well welcome back everybody we're here doing your customer defines quality not you i just like to give a shout out thank you for every to everybody who's been emailing us recently and suggesting topics or giving us feedback on prior shows and uh, ed we even got a new itunes review that uh, we should probably read at some point in the show but back to this quality issue you know six sigma is 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 all about quality right and traditionally it was defined as 3.4 defects per million units of output and 
<laughs> sorry, <back> sorry. In, <laughs> and back in the eighties, Motorola had this enormous initiative, and they they did Six Sigma and various things, even Six Sigma accounting, like how fast could they close the books <laughs> and how many errors, you know, how many errors, uh, you know, per transaction, APAR, whatever, and and they achieved it in various aspects of their business, and they touted this, and it was a big deal, and books were written about it. And I, the whole time I was going, well, so what? What if you produce something with zero defects, but the customer doesn't value it? And, of course, today, where's Motorola? I, I think their patents are part of Google, if I, <laughs> I remember right. But anyway, Ed, you draw a triangle, the triangle of truth. And yeah. this is where with quality. And I love that triangle. Uh, so why don't, you, why don't you explain that? Because you're going to have to do it visually so I can have it in my mind. Yes, yeah, no, I know it's hard. It's hard to do. We'll, we'll we'll put a link up to it on the show notes. But just for those of you listening along, uh, and we did do a show uh, on I think it was Project Scope, and w- in which I talked a little bit more about this in my talk today. But but alluded to this notion of quality. So look, this is this is what what's known as the triangle of truth is a is the triple constraint. That's the formal name for it. It's called the triple constraint of any project, and it's on like page four of any project management book that you ever pick off the shelf. Right. It's it's like that's where it is. Uh, So and what it what it simply says is this is that there are three interrelated variables in any project with the scope, the cost and the time. Now that that I'm I'm using now project management lingo. All right. So let's let's keep a couple of things in mind. When I say cost, I'm what for, for a professional organization, that is the price that the customer pays. Okay. Right. Right. Right, but so, but just keep that in mind that that when I for, for in project management when I say cost, I'm not talking about like your cost to serve. I'm talking about the cost or price to the customer, right? And then of course when I say time, I'm not talking about billable hours. I'm talking about time as a constraint, meaning duration, right. meaning when is it due by? FedEx. Okay. When do I get FedEx. my package? Right. Yep. It's the, the the project is due August first, two thousand eighteen. Got it. Yeah. We got to get it done by then. Right. That's what I mean by time. The the hours and stuff are not part of that. This is purely a duration. So those three interrelated var- variables, of course, of course. Uh, so sc- uh, scope, cost, and time. Now, what is quickly interesting about these is what you're shooting for in project management, proper project management anyway, is a balance between all of these where where all of the angles of the triangle, so think about a triangle that has equal sides and therefore equal angles, right? Yep. That And it's called an equilateral triangle or equal angular triangle. And what, what, the, what this means is, is that there's a balance, a zen to it, Right. And that's what you want. You want the scope, which is what is it? What are you? What are you going to create? And those other two variables, cost and time, to be balanced, right? So that's optimal. That's what you're looking for. Now, to get onto, uh, there's a lot of stuff I can say about that. But listen to the previous show on project management. What I do want to talk about is that inside this this triangle. Now, that if you let's assume the balanced triangle, assume the equilateral, equal angular triangle, the circle that you can draw in an in that triangle is the quality of the work. And it's also the quality of the engagement. It's also the quality of the relationship. It's all aspects of quality. Right. Right. Is the circle that you can draw. So you can immediately see Sid, that if the triangle gets ever out of balance, 
where like there's what's called scope creep or a cost crunch or a time crunch where one of those things gets out of balance, the circle's going to shrink, right? right? Or gets squished. We push squished. up the date. We push yeah. up the date of go live or something like right. that. The, so the circle's going to shrink. It's going to going to going to get squished in some way. And we want, and, and that's the reason why we want to try to avoid that. Yes, we want to try uh, try avoid scope creep because it's terrible for us in terms of you know losing money, etc. But even more importantly, it's terrible because it means that quality is going to suffer, mm-hmm. right? Because if you think about it, if quality is the one element that if if quality increases or decreases, it affects all three of the others. All three. Sure, sure. Right? So that's the thing. So if the quality expectation suddenly increases in the middle of engagement, it probably is going to mean an increase to the cost or price, going to be, be a delay in when it's going to get done, and it's, probably, it's also going to increase the amount of work that has to get done. Right? <laughs> and so if the, if the customer demands perfection, what, what's your line? Yeah. So, so think about this. So if the customer demands perfection, which means the, the, the circle is infinitely large. In- Right, <laughs> right. So, it's right. Like the if triangle, yeah. Yes. Then pricing is easy. Give me all your money, <laughs> and we'll never be done, and you won't get what you want. So it's it's really good for the, if like this in the end it's actually good for the professional because you know especially we just say well you just give me all your money that's the price right. now and right. and continue to give me all your money forever going forward. Yeah, it's kind of great for the billable hour too. That's it's, wonderful. Yeah, it's this awesome. Is, yeah, it's awesome. Perpetuity. <laughs> so that's the danger of the quality expectation being perfection. So th- what this this allows us to do then is to have a conversation with the customer where we say, okay, we, we yes, we're going to strive towards zero defects, right? That's that third absolute that we're going tr- mm-hmm. to we're going to work toward a goal of zero defects. However, there is a there is a threshold below perfection. That is acceptable. That will that that's what we'll do. When we'll, we'll we will accept it, even though it's not perfect. Couple things. Number one, this is why if you but if you don't have a conversation about setting the quality expectation before you begin the work, guess what the what guess what the the expectation will be, Ron? Oh, perfection. Perfection, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Right uh, on so both you, sides. On both sides. That's right. So if you don't have a conversation about this ahead of time, the expectation will be perfection, which now, but, of course, you can't say, then give me all your money, because they're like, wait a minute, you said it was going to be $30,000, right? Okay. Uh, So anyway, so let let me tell the stories, because this then sets up what we can talk about the rest of the time. So I was involved in an engagement. This is the largest largest engagement I I was ever a part of. Uh, I can't remember. Lots and lots of users dozens probably hundreds of users total of this system okay mm-hmm. and it was um for a very well-known uh not-for-profit organization i can say it's girl 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 scouts of the usa they own their 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 uh, building on fifth avenue by the way ron they own that building <laughs> didn't you say they didn't make their money from cookies yeah they don't make their money up they make their money off of uniforms that's right. where they make the yeah. Well, they did anyway. I don't know if it's still the case, but they they did. They're a fashion house. So they're fa- they are they're basically a fashion customer that knows exactly how many brownie sashes they're going to sell every year. Beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. All right. So, but they 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 had they had an expectation that of uh, well we I shouldn't say that we produced their the first ever balance sheet for them. You know, part of we would doing this implementation and we produced the balance sheet right. And they're looking at it and they're like, this is great. Wow, 
This is your balance sheet. It balances. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and we're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's like that's why it's called a balance sheet. It's <laughs> you know? like well, because in their old system, it turns out, guess what? She no balance. Like she every month, <laughs> every month, and they had to go and fix it, right? So they were just absolutely amazed that the balance sheet balanced every wow. month. Wow! So like yeah, it's like that's, that's so, it's like so giving them a second wheel on the bicycle. I know. That's great. Exactly. So so, <laughs> but so their expectation of the of of the balance sheet was that it balanced. Same time, I'm doing an implementation. At a, a an organization that that I th- I think is now known as True TV. I I I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it, well, it was Court. They weren't even it, it was it they weren't even Court, court TV, TV at the time. Yeah, no, they uh, weren't okay. even that. They were they were just this idea. Now I might have this wrong. They, this might not be them at all. But I'm pretty sure that this was the business model. It's going a lot. This is like 20 years ago plus more than 20 years ago, and. So so but but I distinctly remember this guy's expectation of a of a balance sheet of a quality balance sheet was 8.5 font not 8 not 9 8.5 hmm. with double underlines 4 pixels apart on the screen and you know make sure they're not 5 pixels apart cuz that you know I, I don't like that right uh, also oh. make sure that you know the ne- negative numbers are in red and in parentheses and don't you dare line up a parentheses with another number right <laughs> So now, so then, and we were able to produce the balance sheet for them. Now, this was in this case, this was a single user system, right? One guy was it was just the CFO or controller, whatever his his title was at the time. And so, the question I usually ask then during the presentation is, okay, well, which balance sheet was quality? And the answer is, it's like Marissa Tomei. It's a trick question, right? It's a trick question. They're they're both quality because I met the expectation of the right? customer. I met the expectation of the customer. Now, which one took me longer to produce? Well, the second yeah. one, significantly sure. longer, and it was a small. And this is where I relate back. See, the size of the company had zero 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 to do with the quality expectation. Yeah, right? there is especially n- if you have an anal retentive. Controller. That's right. That's right. So there's <laughs> no correlation between quality expectation and size of the customer. So that, that and that and that is a problem because that's what people think in very often, right? They will wow. they'll say, "Oh, if it's a big customer, they must have high, high quality expectations." And if right. you didn't know that about this controller with the font size and this and that and this and that, I mean, you would have produced something that probably didn't conform to a standard and he would have rejected it and you would have had to go back and maybe back and forth a few times. Bingo. So you Bingo. have to have that conversation up front. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 because it, uh, I'd still be there trying to put the balance sheet together, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he did. He didn't. He 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 assumed balance, right, and wanted more. Whereas the other the other customer, they were they were like they didn't even assume balance, right? So they were just right. thrilled that, that it was that that the numbers tied. Yeah. Right. So wow, you know, it's, it seems to me like auditors have a pretty good grasp of this because they use something called materiality. Bang. Right? Yep. Yep. And what's go ahead again? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, but what's funny is, is that, yes, they have materiality, but talk to that same accountant when you're doing a data conversion and say, 
hey, is it okay if when we move the inventory system from one to the other that it's off? And they'd be like, no. No, you got to <laughs> nail it. Yeah, yeah you can't. It, <laughs> that's practically impossible. That's right. And that's what we'll talk about next. I'm going to give some specific examples from, from my field on examples of quality. But then I, I also want to talk to you, Ron, about the quality expectations that you know about from the from the you know the canons and and how that works out because I think that's an important aspect of it too. Right. Okay. Great. Well, we'll do that coming back from the next break. But uh, in the meantime, folks, please send Ed or myself an email at ask tsoe at verisage Keep those iTunes uh, reviews and uh, ratings coming in. We absolutely love those. And now we want to hear from our sponsor. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials commercials plus bonus content go to patreon.com slash tsoe subscribe now and be free you're worth it this is the voice america influencers channel be inspired We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, speaking of hashtag AskTSOE, Ron, we do have a question in. And curiously, it's also from the person who sent us and gave us an iTunes review this, this oh, uh, past week. So let me quick jump to the iTunes review. I'll do that, and then I will ad- address the question. It's a good one, and, and, and I love it because uh, Keith, it is, is, is thinking – he's thinking 30 seconds ahead of us, which is exactly <laughs> where we want the audience to be. Right. Excellent. That's, that's awesome. All right. So let me get the iTunes review. Uh, thanks again, Keith, for this. This is his handle here is we we live to serve from April 2nd. Must listen business podcast. Five stars. Thanks again. He says, I'm an avid customer of business. I'm sorry, consumer, consumer of business and knowledge podcasts. And this is hands down one of the best out there, particularly if you are a service or knowledge professional, but also for anyone who wants to understand the world better. Ed and Ron's topics and commentary are powerful and actionable. I cannot overestimate the 
value they brought to my bookkeeping and accounting and counting business uh, and intellectual growth. This and uh, the the knowledge podcast by Farnham Street, which we'll have to give a listen to, are the only podcasts that I've listened to every episode and many more more than once. Must listen. Thanks again, Keith. That we live to serve. That's awesome. And his question, Ron, is this: wondering if you have any tools for quantifying quality. I like that. Quantifying quality. And he references uh, Robert M. Piercig's work, which is quite good as well. Um, I do like Piercig's work. But uh, let let me give some examples of of this in my world. And I think, Ron, if you then jump in on on your side, uh, might might be helpful. But so so recall that most of the, the, the projects that I have been a part of in my professional career before I started doing this stuff, but this was, was, was implementation of new accounting software, right? Mm-hmm. And what we would look at from, from this side of things is, is a couple of different things. One, you had a, most of the time you're moving data from, from old system to new system, right? Yep. So what we would look at there is there's two possible ways to look at that. One is financial accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the financial accuracy from the old system then to the new system? And then the other way would be something like number of records. And let me just take this this down even one more level. So let's look at financial accuracy, and I'll go back to the, the notion of inventory, right? Say you've got a million-dollar inventory, and it says it's a it's million dollars in the old system, and then the, it, once you once you bring it into the new system, you know you you yes you're shooting for that goal of zero defects, so it hopefully will be a million dollars. But there has to be a, a threshold below perfection. So say they say you know what we, we will accept ninety nine point nine percent accuracy. Right. Right. Great. So then so that's fine. Then you look at it and say all right. So there if you're off by I think I think if my math is right that's a hundred bucks or less. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, it might even be a thousand. I have to I have to do the math on it. I uh, know it's a thousand. It is a thousand. So if it's a th- it's a thousand bucks or less, we're not even going to look for it because that's not. And, and you, to use your word that you talked about earlier, it's not material. Sure. Right. It's not material. <laughs> there, there's no reason on a million dollar inventory that we got to go looking for, you know, anything less than 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 that threshold. Okay. Makes so sense. you can see if it was 99.9 and we said that's $1,000, well, then some the next customer would come along and they say, well, we would accept 99.99% accuracy. All right, well, then what you have to do is you have to get within $100, right? But you can see because that's an order of magnitude that that would affect potentially my price. Yep, and right? the timing. Right, and the timing as to when that you would get this done. I might say, look, I can't. If you want ninety nine point nine nine percent accuracy, instead of three months, it's going to be five months or four months, right? Mm-hmm. Simply because, and this is where it goes back. Simply because, if that's what that means, that means that when we, once the inventory is cut over, you need to go check it, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> yes, yes. Because I can't accept my own work from a quality standpoint. So they have to invest – again, this goes back to the fourth absolute of quality. They have to invest cost that's not to you in determining whether or not it was – that you met the expectation. Right. Right? Now, let me give another example just from the financial accuracy standpoint. At what level? So the, we talked about the balance sheet earlier. Well, down to the trial balance level. Down to the monthly level, down to the quarterly, you know, and th- these these are the conversations that you would need to have with people. 
how accurate is accurate? If we get the year right, if it, if the if the year ties out to within ninety nine ninety nine percent accurate, are you good with your accepting your balance sheet? And most people were. What about the months? How how accurate does it have to be month to month? And yes, you have to have that conversation because again, if you don't, it will be perfection. All right, so that's financial accuracy. Number of records pretty self-explanatory, right? There were uh, 10,000 records in the old system. 99.9% accuracy means that there, they will, there, we, we will have within 100 records in the new system, right? Yep. And that's, and, and again, we're not going to look for it. But there's another one, and this is this is one that where they really get thrown off. So, so that's in moving data. But the the other two has to do with with reporting or output, right? There's an acceptable threshold, or, or a big quality expectation is how quickly do I, do I get the information that I need from the system, right? Mm-hmm. How fast does the report print? How fast does the screen pop when I want information on it, right? Now, for the for for the most part, almost all for almost everything, you can you can use what are called industry averages and say things like this. All right. Well, if a report pr- uh, prints within you know five minutes of of it being queued, fine, you're good with that. Yes. Okay. If a screen comes up and usually it's within a second, we'll accept that. Right. Yeah. But there's the there's the couple of things that you know that where that might be a problem, and those are the the points that you have to push on to say okay well the inventory valuation report takes a long time to print, right? It takes a long right. time to go through the process of doing it. What's the acceptable threshold? Because I you know you get then then you get into this conversation where you call the the support hotline, and you say things like well you know the inventory valuation report is taking forty hours to print, and this is report <laughs> r- report specialist. Is it accurate? Um, this is now you. Yes, it's accurate, but it's taking forty hours to print. Reports a specialist. I don't see what the problem is. It's accurate, right? Right, it's accurate. <laughs> we have a we have a saying in software. It's called WAD. It works as designed. Fine. <laughs> works. Works <laughs> as designed. Right. And and but they don't get it. It's like but that's not acceptable to the customer. Right. So you and you as a professional know what those reports are. You know, those are the places that you have to be careful of. So you, so if if it's something you have to work, watch out for, say, all right, inventory evaluation, it will print within an hour. Right? And another way to do this is with like some kind of a ratio for every for every, you know, 10,000 or let's go call it thousand for every thousand inventory I- items. It's going to take an hour per hour to do an evaluation. Mm-hmm. Is that acceptable? So you can set it as a ratio, right? Right. So that way, if they suddenly just increase or spike their number of of inventory items, you can go back and say this is what it is. So I, anyway, I, I want to make sure that you, those examples, but then turn it over to you and say, what about in accounting? What are are what are some examples of quality expectations of a customer, not just the canons, right? That might be that might be something that it gets put into practice. Right. No, it's a great question because we got a tweet, too, from Peter Coranis, and who's he's a lawyer up in um, uh, Toronto. Thank you for that, Peter. And he said, you know, to answering the tweet about quality is defined by your customers, 
not you. He said, except for an unfortunately high number of lawyers who don't believe the client is right. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and we hear, I hear this a lot in the legal space, Ed, that, you know, a, a lawyer will chase every rabbit down every rabbit hole, you know, and they'll try and cover their tracks on everything to try and make sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed. Mm -hmm. And it's a level of quality that just isn't necessary. You know, it's almost like putting a two, it's like having a surgeon pierce an ear on -hmm. some levels or, you know, hiring a constitutional scholar to do a real estate conveyance. I mean, you just don't (laughs) need, you know, that level of quality. And, and this is, this is one of the charges that the Suskins uh, in the in the future of the professions lay out about the grand bargain. They say, look, yeah, the, the, the professions are great at delivering a Cadillac, you know, a high quality product, but mm-hmm. it's expensive and only a few people can afford to drive it and everyone else is walking. <laughs> so maybe right. at a lower threshold of quality. You know, I I could still get access to legal advice. Now, it may not be 100 percent accurate, but that may not matter. 80 percent accuracy may be good enough for me to handle my situation with my neighbor or or whatever my mechanic Mm. I'm having a dispute with. And so we're back to your triangle. Yep. Right. It's it really is trade-offs. I mean, there, there, there's no solution here. It's just trade-offs. I, I can remember uh, touring the BMW factor, factory in Spartanburg, and every, I think every week, if I remember right, every week they just go out on the line and they pull two cars at random. They take them into this room and they mm-hmm. rip them apart, part by part. I mean, and there's a lot of parts in a car. And these guys test them and, and go through, you know, and, and they're checking quality as, as mm-hmm. you know, to their standards and as I'm sure to the customer standards as well. But, you know, that's a trade off. I mean, obviously, they can't do that with every single car. Right. <laughs> they never push out any product. Right. And so that so it's a test, right? It's a test test of transactions, a test test of of all of those the the the, the cars, you know, some some sampling. Right, a random sampling, which is right. that's a classic way to, to test this. Now, that's an example though of 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 to some degree inspection, but and I just want to clarify, it's it's not because inspection would be inspecting everything. Right, right, right. Inspecting would be inspecting everything. So that there there is an element of of um, prevention in there. But I also want to say that in your car example, as well as in in you know the knowledge work that we do there are certain things that we can put into practice that are prophylactic right that are that are important for for people to do because it assures quality rather than inspects it at the end and right. this and one of them is dare i say it ron because we usually rail against stuff like this is a checklist mhm mhm right no that makes complete sense in now, this context you know, our our big beef is that you know people want checklists for 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 stuff that's not checklistable right, right. <laughs> that, for that is, yeah, yeah for for everything but there are certain things that you should go through a checklist on you know sure. you and I fly on planes all of the time right and i'm pretty sure that the, that pilot knows how to fly that plane i don't know about you but i i kind of wait uh, when we taxi out to to take off I'm waiting for the for the for the the test of the brakes because they they do it almost every flight. Sure, right? Yep. You can they just just they just kind of tap on the brakes or whatever it is that they do, and I'm like, okay, good, the brakes are working. 
Yeah. That, that's important for when we land. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm glad he's running through the checklist. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, well, Ed, this is just flying by. I knew it would be, but uh, we're up against our last break. And folks, like to remind you, we will post full show notes on this topic with Ed's Triangle of Truth uh, at thesoulofenterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're back for our final segment on quality and the fact that it is not defined by the professional, but defined instead by the customer. By the way, Ron, we were just kind of talking during the break that Robert M. Piercig wrote the book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. So, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. So that's, yeah, really actually quite famous. But I don't know why I could not sure. put that together. But yes, that, yeah, it's a great book. <laughs> okay. Um, so I just had a couple more things I just want to mention there. When I was preparing for the show, these are under, under the heading of just kind of random, right? Mm-hmm. One is a great Dilbert cartoon that I found uh, from 2007. I'll post a link up to that to give our friend Scott Adams a, a big plug. But it's the, you know, the pointy haired boss sitting in a meeting and the three panels are, the first panel is one, him saying, we can't compete on price. Then the second one is him saying, we can't compete on quality features or service. And the third panel is, is that leaves fraud, which I'd like you to call marketing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cynical. <laughs> I mean, he laid out the, the famous value proposition of, you know, there's three ways to compete, price, quality, or service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We can't compete on any of them, so Love it. Uh, so good, so good. Well, you know, I I once I had the opportunity once to hear um, the Zig Ziglar talk, Ron, down mm-hmm. here in, in yep. Texas before he passed away. He would he would do a Sunday sermon that was really at, at, at Prestonwood Baptist Church, 
And he told the story of Snap-on Tools and the CEO of Snap-on Tools who, when when asked about his price, because Snap-on Tools were very expensive, right? He said, and this is a pretty good quote, I'd rather apologize for my price once than quality over and over again. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, and I think that's, that's something to take well with you right and that that's a great response it, to it really say, well, is you guys, you guys oh, expensive right right well you know there's a great book by uh car uh by bob lutz who was the former vice chairman of general motors from 2001 through 2010 which is during the time it filed bankruptcy now this guy's a classic car guy right somebody who really knows cars gets excited by cars and he wrote a great book ed called car guys versus bean counters the battle <laughs> for the soul of american business and although i have major problems with the book he's a lousy economist he's got really stupid economic ideas when it comes to you know building a car that you know sets your uh emotions on fire this guy's really good and he tells a story. I mean, there's so many good stories in this book, but he tells one where he talks about, you know, GM had this total quality excellence campaign and he had nothing but contempt for this. And one of the vehicle line engineers came to him with this performance management process. And I can just ma- I can just imagine what this thing must have looked like. A bunch of Gantt charts and milestones and color coded and all of that. And the scorecard showed green. For every single target on this, you know, performance management process, this, this car hit every top target, every target got out on time, you know, came in at cost, blah, blah, blah. Bob asks the guy, he says, so how's it selling? And the guy says, well, really not that well, but I can't be held responsible for that. <laughs> <laughs> And it just reminds me of the, the famous house quote, right? You know, from House MD, the TV show, we yeah. must not let results get in the way of process. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Great line. That with the episode with Lynn Manuel Miranda in it from Hamilton. That's right, the Hamilton, yeah. yeah. The, the other thing, Ed, because you brought up the the Crosby's, you know, four uh, yeah. requirements. The third one, work towards a a goal. Everyone, you, everyone was, yeah. yeah, everyone must work towards a goal, or he says standard, but everyone must work towards a goal of zero deflects, yeah. Right. And I just want to point out in, in my writings on this, I, I did kind of look at this and say, well, in the knowledge environment, it's kind of unrealistic to expect zero defects. I mean, we may be able to do that in, in some things, but. I mean, overall, we're to err is human, right? We're going to make mistakes. Uh, you know, surgeons do it. Uh, unfortunately, we had a Thunderbird go down on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Major Stephen Del Bagno, 34, was killed while training with the Thunderbirds, and absolutely tragic. But um, anyway, th- I, I say we, we we shouldn't try and focus on zero defects. We should focus on zero defections. In other words, zero customer defection. So when we do screw up, what can we put in place to handle those screw up? And we've already talked about a big one, which is the value guarantee, right? Mm-hmm. Give your give your uh, give your customers an incentive to complain, but also a complaint handling process where you know you do various things when a customer does complain to 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 take care of the customer, to fix the customer, and then go fix the complaint. Mm-hmm. And of course, after action reviews. So I, I think because I used to have the mentality when I practiced accounting that I, I wanted everything to be perfect. And that's just intolerable. It's just not going to happen. 
it's just not yeah. going to happen. Even even as a professional who's diligent and you know gets plenty of rest, and it's just not going to happen. You're going to screw up. It's going to happen. Yep, yep. That's because because that's who we are. As you said, we're human. To err is human, so that's what we're going to be. You know, th- I, just to turn turn the tables a little bit too on this. You, professionals have a nasty habit of expecting perfection from their customers. Yes, they do, and each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And 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 it and look, this is this is the 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 dark side of this. But if you expect perfection from your customers, they're going to expect perfection from you. From you. Yeah. And, <laughs> You know, and I, I've seen this over and over again. And, you know, the, the the example I was talking about earlier, data conversion. You know, I and I'm guilty as charged on this. I would say really stupid things to to customer, but like and say, you know, move, get your data from your old system, put it into the spreadsheet, and it better be right. It <laughs> better be a hundred percent right. You know, and well, only, I so. You see this in accounting a lot where, you know, somebody's engaged to do a tax return and they get the, the bookkeeping files and they start look going through them and they notice, you know, noticeable errors and they start chasing down every single dollar. That's not what you're paid to do. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm sure that you can fix errors that are absolutely glaring. But to, to sit sit there and think that you have to chase down every penny is, is kind of crazy. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about is in your triangle, you know, time is obviously – a big thing and that's that's duration you're talking about and and I'm just thinking the other problem whether it's legal or accounting is you know a 60% accurate answer within one day may be more valuable to me as a customer than you know a, an answer that's 99% accurate but takes you 3 weeks mm-hmm. i mean th- there's an element to timing to this too and that's one of the trade-offs but that trade-off is for the customer to make yeah, I mean, not so not a, professional. Yeah, a lawyer might not be comfortable providing a sixty percent answer, but I would say if if you qualify it as, look, this is this is my best guess. This is a sixty percent accuracy or sixty percent protection or whatever, however you frame it. Mm-hmm. But you can give the answer relatively fast. That might have more meaning to the customer. This idea that you know. Uh, you have to chase down every rabbit is is crazy because businesses don't exist to practice law or do accounting. They you know they have to make decisions in a complex and uncertain world with uncertain future consequences. And sixty percent accuracy may be good enough. Yep. And w- once again, this is where I think all professionals can really look to the, to me- the medical profession. For example, doctors do this all the time. They do all they do. the time. They're really good at it. And they're and they're they're one of the few professions that is good at it. They, doctors do feel well. I can't. Say, you know, I'm not going to say all, but the, the, many doctors that I've encountered feel comfortable saying, "Look, this is uh, this is about a seventy percent accuracy here." Right. Or this will only cure you know two thirds of your problems, but you're still going to have these issues. And you know, right. should we should we continue? And they'll have a discussion around that. But that's the quality discussion that you're advocating. Well, well, Ed, this, I, I knew this would be great because I know you have so much stuff on this. You've done so much work on it, and it was just a fascinating topic. And like you said, who's coming on next week? <laughs> we have economist Donald Boudreau next week, Ron. I'm just he's, – uh, he's what a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wow, I've been reading his stuff for, for so long, and, and he's with George Mason University, right? So I'm uh, really so, looking yep. forward – yeah, really looking forward to having him on. Well, I'll see you in 167 hours, Ed. 
This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. We will have Don Bedreau on, a famous economist. In the meantime, check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll post full show notes on today's topic. Also, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.